0: Leading us. Nope, I'm good. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you for leading us, you guys. They'll be back up to lead us in a final song as well. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Good morning. My name is Tom. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you. And uh, we're starting a brand new series, as Dana and I talked about this morning. So here's my opening question for you. Have you ever tried to get over something that was too big for you to get over on your own? Anyone? Okay. When I was 14 years old, I, I spent my, my whole summer from like days after I finished uh, school to days before I went back to school, my whole summer, two months uh, away on missions as a kid. And it was an awesome formative experience for me. i will talk to you more about that sometime. But here, I went for the first summer uh, to the Philippines when I was 14. I'm um, a midsummer birthday, so I turned 15 in the Philippines, turned 16 in South Africa. And these were awesome experiences for me. But they didn't just ship us kids off to do things overseas without some training, you understand? So for two weeks, we spent, I was with Team Missions International, and we spent two weeks at what they dubbed the Lord's Boot Camp in Florida. And it was two weeks of training. Now, we were trained in lots of things, literally from everything from how to lay bricks to tie steel through to how to share our faith in Jesus, how to do a puppet show. Actually, you're supposed to go like that, anyway, now, and, and, uh, and we learned a lot of different things and, and we had a lot of team building. We learned a lot of scripture memory. We had a lot of powerful sessions and times of worship and preparation for us, for us to go. But every morning before we had breakfast, we had to run an obstacle course, which was in, designed to be, of course, a team building exercise. And there was different things built into it that, that did help us. And a lot of it was about raising our physical stamina. So we'd have to run this obstacle course a, as a team. And uh, it was kind of designed after, you know, yeah, boot camp, yeah. So there were swinging ropes across swampy areas, and there really were crocodiles. We were in Florida. And, and there was um, uh, uh, mountains of tires we had to run around. I think it was called Mount Sinai, in fact. Um, and, you know, kind of some biblical themes. And uh, there was different things you had to do. But right at the very end of the course, the very last thing we had to do is we had to get over a 12-foot sheer wall. And I don't know how tall 12 feet is, but it's, you know. Anyway, so it didn't matter how athletic, the you know, the the, 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 jo- the jock was, or it didn't matter how fast they were. The reality is nobody could get over that wall by themselves. Even if there was one weird specimen who could, the rest of us would be standing on the other side, you know, unable to cross it. So we had to cross this wall as a team. And so, of course, what you do is you have the the light but strong kid, got hoisted up first, and then another maybe light but strong kid, got hoisted up. And then and then we'd start all surrounding carefully, and we'd start lifting people as they were then sort of lifted and pulled over this wall. And there was like 30, 30 of us on this team. So that's pulling. every once in a while, about halfway through, maybe the first kid that was up was too tired, so then somebody else would sort of switch him out, and, and, uh, and, and we'd all go over. And then the very last person was someone who could... Who could still really jump, right, so they had to, they had to get back and they had to run and then to jump and grab these outstretched arms and then be pulled over and then the moment we were across the other side, then they would count our time if we didn 't run it at a certain amount of time, we had to do it again in the afternoon, yeah, all right, it was an amazing experience, but that twelve foot wall was something that we couldn 't get over by ourselves. we needed each other, and the truth is is we go into this series on obstacles of faith, there are obstacles in life that we are never going to be able to get over without the help of other people. Now, that might be obstacles in your marriage. That might be obstacles in in, in your emotional health. There might be struggles, various things that are going on, that you recognize, I am not going to be able to overcome this obstacle or get through this thing if I don't access the help of other people. That's just really true. Sometimes we need to lift a hoist. Someone to shout encouragement that all the effort is worth it. Someone to help us get over It's true for life, but it's really true for faith. Unless we get some help, there are obstacles that can either shut down faith before it even has a chance to grow. Or it can stop faith dead before it even starts. And the truth is, there are many obstacles that litter the pathway to life. To life in Jesus. Sometimes people have been hurt. Hurt by church, hurt by family, hurt by a dear friend, and and for some reason that's put an obstacle in their life where they're just saying, I'm not even willing to go there anymore. Sometimes there's, people have, have heard or picked up uh, some piece of misinformation, something from a person they respected who didn't know what they were talking about, something they heard on YouTube, something they overheard in the coffee coffee room or whatever, and this, this piece of misinformation has sort of got lodged in their mind and... They aren't even maybe examining it. But for whatever reason, it just prevents them from even looking further down that road of faith. There are others who have actively resisted the implications that there is a God, and he's real, and he wants them. (laughs) And, and, And they've resisted that, and so they may be throwing up some different obstacles. And of course, Jesus' followers believe that there's also an enemy at work. That we have one who opposes us. Sometimes he's called Satan. Sometimes he's called the devil. And he actively tries to to prevent people from from even getting anywhere near Jesus. He Even checking him out. And so he'll throw up obstacle after obstacle. Anything he possibly can to prevent people from examining and exploring life in Jesus. However it happens, there are obstacles that prevent people from seeing Jesus. From finding truth. From experiencing all the life he has for them. And I hate that. That bugs me. Does it bug you? I, I hate that. The idea that, that there would be people who, who would gaze down a pathway that would lead them to life. But instead of seeing a pathway to life, they, they look down the path and they, they see just walls and pits and obstacles rather than something that would, 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 would bring them forgiveness and freedom. It looks more like a war zone with the burned out cars and you know buildings that have been blown out and trees that have fallen across the path. I hate it. I think we can change it. In fact, I think we're supposed to change it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got a part to play in this. You know, sometimes um, if you have come into a construction zone that requires a lot of maneuvering, they put a pilot car in front of you and, and you follow this car through and around and down and, and you make it through. Or maybe, have you ever been in a, a forest fire where the smoke was so thick that they didn't just turn you loose because they didn't know if they'd find you again? So they put a pilot car in front of you, that kind of deal. We, we've, we've had that. Maybe you have. It's like, when it comes to these obstacles of faith, it's kind of like we are Jesus' pilot crew. Where he he gives us this responsibility to help guide people through and around and sometimes over obstacles that would have prevented them from even meeting Jesus. And so for the next couple months, we're going to address some of these common obstacles. When we gather together on Sunday, I want to help you help all of us Have better conversations with your friends about the things that are preventing them from meeting Jesus. I want to help you have better conversations. If you're wondering what some of the topics might be, Dana's already highlighted them. They're in the bulletin. Those are stated as the objection that you may run into. I've run into every single one of those objections multiple times. And you may have run into some of them. But you know what? The series is not just so you can help others. I mean, that is a big part of it. But some of you are actually still struggling with some of these obstacles. But you maybe look at that list and you think, yeah, that one, I'm still kind of hung up on that one myself. Maybe you've been making your way toward Jesus, but there's something, a sticking point for you. Wherever you fall on the faith spectrum, and one of the things I love about the Erickson Covenant Church is that we are a home for people Across the faith spectrum, people who are just willing to check it out for the first time, people who are wanting to explore a bit further and aren't sure what's going on right through to people who have followed Jesus for, for years. And I believe that all of us, wherever we're at, are going to have an incredible time this fall exploring some of these common obstacles to faith. So I want to begin today by centering our time together around two little verses in second Peter or first Peter, sorry, and it's in, they're in your, printed in your bulletin, first Peter chapter three, verse 16 to 17. Uh, Some of it will be on the screen, but the full uh, is printed in your bulletin. Here it is. Listen to this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander let's just read that one line together again, because it's, it's central to what we're doing here this morning. Can you zoom in, Jack or Olin, whoever's back there? There we go. There. Let's try to read that. Let's read that together. Okay, here we go. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. I mean, my opening question for us this morning is, are you prepared? Like, are you ready to give an answer to someone who finally... And they're not going to say, tell me, friend. What is the reason for the hope that you have in Christ? They're not going to ask it that way. They're going to say, what's up with that? I thought we were going quadding this weekend. What do you mean you're, you know, serving people? They're going to ask you a question about your priorities. They're going to ask you a question about how you're making it through a difficult experience. They're going to begin to inquire why you care about the things you care about. However they ask, are you prepared? We talked last week about the importance of of building faith bridges for people and how one of those things is that we as a church have mouths that speak because we always need to be ready to give an answer. This is a command. It's an expectation of Jesus followers that we are to be prepared ready so are you ready it's crucial see if we can't give a reason for the hope that we have in jesus no one is going to actually discover the reasons for hope at all you and i are the way people actually find out about hope in jesus and if we aren't ready at any time if we haven't prepped our hearts if we haven't prepped our minds, if, if we aren't actually positioned in readiness, then there's going to be opportunities that simply come and simply go, and we might not even recognize them. Opportunities that were brought to us by the Spirit's work in others' lives, and we just missed it. But you know, I think it's more than that. Because if you can't articulate the reasons why you hope what you do, then I'm afraid that your hope might not be much more and kind of a vague wish. Kind of a, you know, a truism or, or something you, you sort of say to yourself. I'm afraid that your hope might not have the strength to survive in real life. It might not have the, have the, the strength to resist maybe a challenging idea or certain kinds of misinformation or, or even to walk alongside someone and be strong and be secure and confident. I mean, do you know why you trust jesus with your life are you able to express that not in a bunch of churchy words but in real heart language are you able to, to describe to people why you need a savior why you need forgiveness in your life are you able to articulate the differences made of knowing that there's a god who loves you a god who's got purpose for your life a, a god who's given you this holy spirit to live in you and to live through you are you able to articulate the difference that that makes we need to be ready and that's what this series is all about peter says we need to be ready when people ask us right i know what some of you're thinking but nobody ever asks me <laughs> right i've been hanging around people for years they've never asked me anything so i thought about this question because i thought i think that's important when do people ask us things thought of a few things first i think people ask when we truly care about them. When we love them. Not as a project, not as someone we're trying to fix, but as someone we genuinely love and feel passion and compassion for. Someone that we've walked with. Someone that we're, we're, we're entrusting parts of our lives to. Someone that we're, we're, we really like to be around. That we care about them. There's a, as an old saying, it's a good saying though, I think it's true. Remember this one? People don't care how much you know until they know what? How much you care, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's really true. People aren't wanting to just hear your ideas or or the reasons for the hope that you have if they don't think you give a rip about them. Rather, they want to know that you care. They want to know that you actually are interested in their lives, in in their family, in their hopes, in, in their dreams, their aspirations, that you are concerned with their lives. And when people know you genuinely love and care for them, that can open up opportunities for questions. The second thing, I think, is people ask us about Jesus or about hope or about faith when we actually ask them. Because, you know, when I, when I said um, people ask us when, when, when you care about them, some of you are thinking, yeah, but I, I've, I've been trying to do that. Like, I've been nice to this person for, like, 17 years and they've never said anything because I thought if I would just be nice and kind that eventually they'd say, tell me about Jesus because you're so nice and kind. But you know what? They just think you're nice and kind. (laughs) They think, why would I ask this person if they're nice and kind? They're just nice. I like them a lot. They've never made a connection perhaps between the way you're trying to love them and the love of Jesus for them. And I think it's entirely appropriate for someone that you love and care about that you begin to ask them. Ask them about what makes them tick. Ask them about the hope that they have. Ask them about how they understand purpose in life. How they understand faith. Do they ever pray? Have they ever thought about God? And again, if it's a person that knows you care for them, they just might be open to having that conversation with you. As we ask them, we then learn to listen to them. Not again, just asking so I can say something, but genuinely interested in knowing. How do you get up in the morning? What are you pursuing? What do you think of life? What do you think of God and prayer? And How do you understand your future, your present? And as we ask, people can begin to share, begin to ask us. Well, as, as, as I've talked about what matters for me, what matters for you? Why do you get up in the morning? How do you understand purpose? How do you understand prayer? How do you understand the work of God? The truth is, everyone should be able to express that. As I was examining this and thinking, reflecting on this passage this week, I realized that, you know, for someone I really care about, I actually want them to be able to, like, articulate why they are what they are and why they're pursuing what they're pursuing and why they hope what they hope. I actually want them to be able to articulate that. Maybe they won't come to faith in Jesus, but I want them to know, I want them to be able to articulate where they're at because I care for them and I love them. So ask them. Ask them. The third uh, time I think people ask us about our hope is when we live with transparency. When we're not trying to fake it all the time. We're actually authentic with the friends and the people in our lives about the struggles that we are having. Maybe we're having a family struggle. Maybe we're wrestling it out with one of our kids. Maybe we're experiencing a, a bit of a mental health crisis ourselves. Maybe we're feeling listless and discouraged. I, I don't know what it is, but we're transparent about our, maybe a financial struggle or maybe a struggle at, at work or with our in-laws. Whatever that is, when we're transparent and authentic with those, with those friends and they see us wrestling for real, and yet in that wrestling, expressing hope in Jesus, trust in his work, prayer, as we're real with people and authentic with people, and they see us living that out, I believe that will also inspire them to ask. You know, the context of this letter, First Peter, is to a group of Christians who are really struggling, who are suffering. Uh, some of them were, were suffering because, because of their faith in Jesus. And it was bringing them into conflict with their owners for slaves. It was bringing them into conflict with other people within their guild, uh, within their community. And it was written to a church that was suffering. And when you read the whole letter, you realize that it's critical, actually, that these followers of Jesus live their faith out in real transparent ways in the context of difficulty. And it was in that context that the world around them, that their friends and neighbors and families began to ask, how is it that you still have hope? How is it that you still believe? How is it that you still trust Jesus with all of this going on? I think it's key that we're transparent. Sometimes we fall into that trap of thinking, in order to help people find Jesus, I've got to suggest to them that everything in my life is now perfect because Jesus is in my life. And that's a lie. That's not true. He makes all the difference in how we approach those things. He makes all the difference in how we think about them and access his power and his presence in those things. But there is still lots of difficulty. And we can show people and invite people into that and they will see the hope that we have. And then fourth, I think people ask our hope when they, when, they, when they, it's related, but when they see something in us that they don't have. Now, you have friends, I have friends who are indifferent to all of this. I invited someone to Alpha this week and they said, you know, I'll be really honest, Tom, I'm very happy with where I'm at spiritually and I don't really have any questions. Okay. Come for the free meal is what I said. But um, <laughs> that's just true, Right? And I know that. And so I, I know there's people in our lives, as, as our friends, people we care about, who just don't care right now. and just, just don't see the need. And so we stay present in their lives and we love them and we're there and we, we do life with them and we care. and We keep sharing and we keep talking. We're authentic. We're real. What I found is they may not be ready right now. And we pray that there will come a time when they will. I find in my life that often it's when something does happen. Something shifts. There's a, there's a health crisis there's, there's, a, there's a job crisis. There's, there's something that has shaken their world that then, at that moment, they realize, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I don't have something firm to stand on. I don't have hope. But I know that Amanda does. I know that Marvin does. I know that Brian does. And I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin talking to them. I've told you years ago, I, I think I, I told this story here, about um, I was trying to reach out to this one guy and I, I was going out choking through smoke breaks with this guy um, and a whole bunch of other smokers. It was years ago when they still smoked outside public buildings. And in um, and, and my effort to connect with this guy, um, and we would s- spend many hours talking about many, many, many things. Now, I never knew that there was someone else there who Jesus was also reaching. This was uh, another woman was present in our, many of our uh, smoke break conversations, And this person was probably one of the harshest, most difficult people I had ever met. And I just frankly didn't even pay attention to her because I thought, there's no way she's coming to know Jesus. I'll keep focusing on this guy. Now, I didn't think that mentally, but I just, you know, she was difficult. And about two years later, I got a random phone call from this woman who was experiencing a major health crisis with cancer. And at her very bottom, at the very bottom, she remembered, I kid you not, there was a guy who would stand out on smoke breaks and talk about Jesus. Didn't know my name. Didn't know where I was from. But she thought the poli-sci prof knew, maybe would know who I was. So she called him. He didn't know exactly, but he thought the history prof would know, and the history prof knew. And, and, and then we connected. And within about six months, she had come to know Jesus about well, nine months later, I baptized her, and she has had lots of struggles since, but she's been following Jesus now for, for many years. What I, what I learned through that is a couple things. One, God is often doing something that is way beyond your field of vision. Be faithful, be present, love people, talk about Jesus, let Him do the rest, okay? Whole message in there. But I also realized that there was a point in her life where she was not open. But then something shifted in her life. Something changed. And it was at that moment she remembered by the Spirit's prompting remembered a Christian who had been present in her life in some way. And because of that she came to know Jesus. However it happens we need to be ready when people ask. And this whole series that we're looking at this fall is designed to help you be ready. To help you have it equip you, I hope, to have healthy, helpful conversations. But it's not just about what we say, is it? It's not just about what we say. What we say about Jesus matters, but how we say what we say about Jesus matters even more. Listen to the second verse again. It says, but do this, do what? Give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, Peter says. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of of their slander. What we say about Jesus matters, but how we say what we say about Jesus matters even more. Because we don't win people by fighting dirty. We don't point people to Jesus by being a jerk, by being patronizing. We don't help people find and follow Jesus by becoming just a little bit more obnoxious or arrogant. Now, this should be just a collective sigh of relief right now yeah because some of you thought that's what it meant oh my goodness to share jesus that means i've got to become this weird person that is kind of looking down their nose at everyone and and always one-upping them in a conversation and, and being a little bit pushy and a little bit brash that is not what it means in fact those kind of tactics end up pushing people further away what are we to do peter says we're to answer for our hope in jesus with gentleness And with respect, you know, Jesus was so gentle and so respectful to people who had obstacles between him and them. There were things strewn all across the pathway that prevented people from really experiencing his life. And Jesus would go out of his way to remove those obstacles and help people connect with him. One of the classic stories, one of my personal favorites, I've I've preached about it here, you can go back into our archives and see see it, is the story of a foreign woman with a history of failed relationships. And this Samaritan woman, as she's called, because she's not named in the story in John chapter 4, has so many obstacles that prevent her from coming to trust her life with Jesus. Her ethnicity got in the way, her religion got in the way, her gender got in the way, Her background got in the way, her sin and her hurt. All these things just piling in to keep her away from Jesus. But Jesus, he wasn't going to let those things stand in the way. And in a gentle, loving, respectful way, Jesus worked through each and every one of these obstacles so that she could finally see him. So she could finally meet him. And when she was ready at that very moment, he actually revealed his full identity to her in a way he hadn't even done so far. He revealed his full identity to her as the savior of the world. And at that moment, she believed, she trusted Jesus with her life. This is the gentle heart of Jesus for people. And he is our model for engaging others in conversation. He is our model for helping others around these obstacles. It doesn't always mean that people are going to respond positively to us. Do you know that? There are sometimes things that can come up, and people can get very emotional and upset when we approach some of these obstacles. When an issue comes up, or maybe a question's asked, sometimes even just a simple invitation to something like Alpha, or maybe this series that we're doing, it can elicit a very strong, even a combative response. I want to tell you that that's okay. Like, I actually want to, this is really important that you hear this. Just relax. It's all right when that happens. We don't need to react with force or harshness. and We don't need to become defensive. We don't need to become angry. Instead, we can be gentle. We can listen. We can ask more questions. We can be responsive. All fueled by our love for them and ultimately Jesus' love for them. When we're confident in who Jesus is, we're confident that the Spirit of God is at work We don't need to freak out. In fact, it's insecure people, people who aren't really confident in their faith, they're not really certain about who Jesus is, they aren't completely sure how in the world it actually is true that Jesus is their Savior and has forgiven them. It's people who are insecure in that that end up reacting defensively and pushing people away. But as we grow in confidence, as we become more secure in kind of our understanding of faith and our ability to express that, We can become more open to what others are experiencing as we're more confident in the Spirit's work. We don't need to be offended for God's sake. Rather, we just need to stay present with this person wherever they're at. Often we have to wait that moment, perhaps. We have to wait till later, till they're ready. But we stay present in that relationship. The reality is, and this is super important to remember, I remind myself of this whenever I come up against a strong emotional response. When you experience a pushback like that, when you experience that kind of emotional response, It signals the presence of some kind of hurt. I would say always, but, you know, unqualified statements get you in trouble. Almost always, when you get a big pushback like that, there is some kind of hurt. There's a story that's behind that maybe theoretical objection or that strong pushback. Always remember that. That may give you compassion and empathy. Even if you don't understand exactly what's going on, you know that something's there. Sometimes the objection might come across very academic. It might come across as very well thought through, but when there's emotion or anger or desire to simply push away hard, that academic objection, as important as that is, and we want to deal with that gently and respectfully, it's almost always masking a deeper hurt. And so be very mindful and very prayerful about that. Remember, the goal is keeping a long-term relationship, not winning a short-term argument. People are never one to Jesus through argument. They're always one through love. Yes, there's room for thoughtful engagement. We don't ignore the obstacles. That's all very true. But how we engage those obstacles is, is, is supposed to foster trust and care. What people need is someone who will listen to that who will explore that hurt, who will be open to receiving some of that hurt even and and really letting people share why this is difficult for them. And then respectfully, with gentleness and prayerfully, maybe begin to guide them through some of their questions and their doubts where this person can know that you are truly on their side. I want to tell you something today. You are that person for your friends. You are actually that guide for your friends, for your high school mates, for your uh, co-workers. You are the guide that God has put into their lives. You are the one. This is how we're able to keep the clear conscience that Peter talks about as we share that regardless of how people respond, regardless to how we may even be treated, can we say before God that we've continued to act with his gentleness with his respect? Have we continued to honor people and love them as people that God has loved and Jesus has died for? That's one of my goals for this series, to help all of us move from a place that might have been heated debate to healthy dialogue. And don't get me wrong, healthy dialogue sometimes gets a little warm, but it's always done with love and with engagement. We can move from combat to conversation. Well, let's get concrete about this. How are we going to respond? The first question is for some of you who maybe are able to identify, or maybe you realize that you yourself have some obstacles in the way. And so I want to challenge you to explore this question. What are your obstacles? Like, what's actually in the way for you? What's what's preventing you from maybe taking that next step in exploring who Jesus is? Maybe it's an obstacle that you haven't examined. In fact, Maybe it's hard for you to even put your finger on it. I challenge you to try to do It It might be one of the seven that we're going to address this fall, but it well might not be. It might be something else. And that's okay. What are your obstacles? Are you able to identify them? And, and, And if you are, are you willing to begin to explore, hey, is this a real obstacle? Is this something I've made up? Is this something I've been handed? Is this something I need to get around? I invite you to figure that out. I invite you to engage this series that we're doing even though we're going to be addressing certain obstacles, even as we do that, we're going to be learning how to deal with obstacles, how to explore them in the context of faith in Jesus. You might want to explore some of the reading that we're going to be. I'll be sharing different things over this series, places you can search down more things. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe Alpha is the place for you. Maybe coming out to Alpha as we launch this Wednesday. The thing about Alpha is we always provide a space at Alpha for you to share exactly where you're at. No holds barred, no judgment, no, you know, overly, you know, um, whatever, patronizing. or It's a real open format where people can express genuinely their struggles, their thoughts, their, their inhibitions, their obstacles. And so maybe Alpha is for you. What are your faith obstacles? The second is for those of you who would say, you know, I don't necessarily have a lot of obstacles. I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I, I'm feeling pretty confident in that. Here's my question for you. Are you in the ready position to actually tell your friends? Like, are you really ready? Not just mentally, but in your heart. Are you really ready? And, and if, you've struggled to, to, if you struggle to answer that question, I, I invite you to look back over the last year and ask yourself, how many times have I had opportunities to share about the hope I have in Jesus? How many conversations am I getting into? because that might reveal for you how ready you are or maybe how much you need to be prepared more. What are the obstacles your friends have? Can you describe them? When you looked at the list of these obstacles um, that we provided, were you able to identify obstacles that some of your friends might have? Maybe the question would be, how will you initiate conversations with your friends? with your family, with your workmates, about what obstacles they might have. How will you initiate that? Maybe through initiating a conversation about that, you'll have an opportunity to explore further and be the guide that God has made you to be. Maybe you'll be able to even invite them to this series. But what's most important is that you and I are in the ready position. In the end, this is all about helping people see jesus introducing him to them to jesus helping us get a vision for who jesus is i want to circle back to the very start of of the verses we looked at today before peter told us anything about being ready he told us that we need to get our hearts right he started this little verse by saying these two verses by saying in your hearts revere christ as lord all the answers that we give, all the engagement we have, all the questions and the obstacles and the reasons, it all comes down to one person. It's all about revering Jesus, about loving Jesus, about letting Jesus into our lives, to lead in our lives, this idea of Christ As Lord is suggesting that, we're saying that in the very core of who I am, I'm being led by Jesus, who is this loving, respectful, gentle person who is tearing down obstacles so people can experience life. And I'm letting him lead me into that. The only reason we have any hope to answer for is because Jesus is real. And he's alive, and he's compelling, and he's amazing, and he's satisfying. He's the one person that really, truly can change everything for our life today and our life to come. In the end, our ready answers are not about a theory, not about ideas, not about arguments. It's not, certainly not about us having all the answers. No, it's about actually having the confidence to help people get over that wall, overcome that obstacle, so they can meet jesus face to face so we as followers of jesus as people begin to explore jesus we're being invited to let jesus in (laughs) into our hearts letting him lead us so that we do everything we can to make his greatness known his his magnificence proclaimed the, the experience of freedom that everyone can have making that accessible to people all around so, my question as we close Are you ready to help people overcome the obstacles that are keeping them away from Jesus? That's our hope for the series. Let me pray as Dave and his team comes up to lead us again. Jesus, we want to see you. You are the one, as the team is going to lead us now, you're the one who is mighty to save. That is your desire, your heart, that people experience freedom and purpose and forgiveness that they begin to discover all that you are and all that you have for them and Lord Jesus, I ask that you would fill us with your holy Spirit, that we would be compelled and empowered and excited to go into our friendship circles, our work circles our our, our play groups and our high school classes and and, and connecting with friends over the fence or or maybe people from afar, that we would embrace your calling on our lives and as you fill us with the Spirit, that we would be these good guides who help people around obstacles, over pitfalls, and through to a meeting with you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us as your church. May you empower us as we go today. In your name we pray. Amen.